Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. The Road to Le Mans, brought to you by Aston Martin. A very warm welcome to further coverage this week of the Road to Le Mans event on 91.2 FM, Mobile One Radio Le Mans. My name's Johnny Palmer, joined again by Shay Adam and by Joe Bradley in the pits for the, technically speaking, fourth round of the season of the Michelin Le Mans Cup. We've had two two-hour races already at Paul Ricard at the bottom uh, to the south of France. Then, about a month later, we moved on to Monza in Italy for round two. And these are two very different races in that they take the form of 55-minute almost sprint races, but there is a pit stop mandatory in them where you switch from one driver to another. And also the qualifying on Thursday took the shape of two 20-minute sessions separated by just 15 minutes downtime. And uh, there were designated drivers in each of those, i.e. you use your bronze driver in one of the sessions, you use your non-bronze in the other, which has uh, created two relatively jumbled up grids when you compare the two they're not really alike but that's lots of fun i think somehow the combined efforts of driver duos though we'll see uh, the strong cars again heading towards the surface it was a good drive from nicolas schatz and adrian schiller on thursday to give the victory to the 39 graph car and dkr engineering were there or thereabouts together with nielsen racing after a cracking second stint from colin noble um all hell to a certain extent breaking loose in GT3 there, particularly <laughs> on that final lap with Lucic Racing coming home after a strong first stint from Frenchman Fabian Leverne and uh, his Danish teammate Mikkel Mack taking over to bring the 71 car to the finish. That car is essentially prepared by AF Corsa, stroke spirit of race, but they run with an American flag, do Lucic Racing. But we had a Ferrari... Uh, two Ferraris and a Mercedes represented on the podium, but uh, bitter gall on that final lap for a car that had run so well, Shay Adam, throughout the race, which was the 99 Aston Martin. Yes, and then salt in the wound, Johnny Palmer, as if you read at the bottom of the, the timing sheet as a result of race one, car 99, which was the Aston Martin driven by Andrew Howard and Ross Gunn, disqualified due to stewards dish decision number 31 now i've spent the last 20 minutes trying to find where the stewards decisions are online and i can't for the life of me save it but the more important detail on that they are not on the starting grid for race two right interesting okay so um they will have qualified that car uh, on thursday but question marks as to where the the whereabouts of that machine but uh, ross gunn spoke to us part way through uh, thursday's race and was clearly very happy with how the new Vantage AMR GT3 was behaving, and uh, Andrew Howard, a strong driver, a double uh, British DGT champion. But um, we continue to heap plaudits on the, on this assembly of cars because there were 50 cars in the entry, mm. 28 LMP3s getting to the finish on Thursday, 15 of the GT3s, an incredibly busy first lap just because of the amount of cars leaving that rolling grid. Yeah, and it really was uh, a frantic, frenetic race that there was always something to watch. It seemed like there was always a slow zoner out somewhere, yeah. yellow being waved, because there was so much action around the track. We should see all of the damaged cars repaired. They're all listed on the starting grid aside from from that Aston Martin. So we will have 49 cars starting in today's race. We did also uh, talk a little bit about the innovative car that ran in mm -hmm. the uh, first round. 
that had uh, Aoki Takuma behind the wheel for that race, not for race two though. That will be Nigel Bailey who takes over the reins there, a uh, Belgian driver who we met the other day when we were doing our little pit lane walk. Yes, um, and a great guy having uh, previously raced in motocross. Um, I was asked what the uh, what the English was for motocross. Well, it's motocross. <laughs> it's really simple, and uh, and a very similar sport as well. I mean, a high uh, high adrenaline motorcycle racing, and now into something very different on four wheels, but no less entertaining. And although that car is a, a an LMP3 machine, a Ligier JSP3, powered again by the Nissan five liter V8 power plant that powers all of the LMP3s in the in the field. Uh, that is technically an invitation car because it, it, it is an innovative car as well, but not there for championship points. But everybody else is, and the points are worked uh, rather than the usual 25 you would get for a standard championship race win. Uh, it's roughly half points. It's 15 for a race win in these two individual 55-minute races, and the other point scores are pretty much halved. Um, and then after this, we go back into the, the bread and butter of the season, which is a two-hour race at Barcelona, a two-hour race at Spa in Frank, uh, Spa-Francorchamps in September, and then a month later to the south of Portugal, to the Algarve circuit, to Portimao. Uh, a really good place to end the season. And, of course, the GT3 championship winner will get an automatic invitation to the Le Mans 24 hours in 2020. And that is something that all of these drivers and teams, I mean, particularly Lucic Racing, they would mm. eagerly uh, like a, a, like an entry into the 24 hours of Le Mans. They're in the, the ELMS this season. But there are other teams that we've seen come through, like TF Sport in year one, like Kessel Racing in year two. Ebby Motors as well got an entry, uh, yes. all from winning the GT3. So, I mean, that's the big carrot at the end of the season. Yeah, very much so. And and that is really something worth fighting for when you're looking at the big race. You're, you're the warm-up act for the 24 Hours of Le Mans. And you've got that carrot dangling of a potential invitation to come and be a part of it the next year that really is all worth fighting for and you mentioned the championship well it it shifted a little bit yesterday as an outcome of the race the first time in lmp3 that it was a different team victorious but the 25 crew uh, are coming back to land racing looking to write their record trying they can't regain the perfect record anymore but they're looking to try and get it back on on track they still have the championship lead but instead mm. of it being a massive gap it was cut down to only 12 uh, 13 points yesterday michael benham who will start the number 25 has 56 points alongside his teammate uh, duncan tappy but they are fighting in the championship now with the car starting alongside them the car that won the championship the last two years johnny palmer different driver lineup but they now have 43 points so it was a very good day even though it was a bad day for the number three it was a good day that their championship rivals didn't win again mm. but they could have done of course they were so close but uh, for an unsafe release in the pits the 25 car you'll remember was leading on thursday and was called in for a drive through because it was judged to have been released into the past of another car during one of its well it, it's only mandatory pit stop and it meant that duncan tappy and michael ben them uh, were on course for starting their season with three in a row. They won mm. here last year, I remember, on the Saturday morning as well. And Mikey Benham in fits of floods of tears. He was that emotional. Uh, that was their first victory in the Michelin Le Mans Cup and could have repeated it on Thursday. But no mm. reason why uh, it couldn't be a strong run for the 25 Lannan Racing entry, the Toyota TSO 50 lookalike, as we've called it. <laughs> um, and when it comes right at you, you'll, you'll see the comparison.
So, um, a combination of Norma M30s and Ligier JSP3s, something that you and I noted when we were in the paddock, the support paddock seeing these cars, is that the Ligier have stripped all the aero from those cars. There are no dive planes in sight, which makes them potentially very strong down the Mulsanne, but a right old handful through sectors one and three of this particular lap. And we saw that reflected in the results of the race. I mean, Norma's were first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh. Your best Ligier was eighth and ninth, and then another Norma rounding out the top 10. So that's eight of the top 10 cars being from that one manufacturer. The Ligier clearly understood that they had to do something dramatic to try and keep it in with a shot at a fight. And they did, but unfortunately that last restart didn't much help their cause. Uh, qualifying then for this session uh, or this race took place, as I mentioned, on uh, Thursday. It's, it was a busy day for these particular cars mm. because they had the second free practice session Thursday morning, then a double dose of qualifying, and now to look forward then to uh, a second 55-minute race. And it is Michael Benham then who's taken pole position for the second race of the weekend alongside Francois Kerman. So that's Lannan Racing and DKR Engineering first and second, 25 and three. And then RLRM Sport with the great James Hunt's son, Freddie Hunt on, on board the number 15 car. Now these aren't necessarily, no, they will be starting drivers. They had to be um, put forward to the officials yes. well before today. So uh, yeah, it will be Benham in the Land car, Francois Kerman in the first of the DKR engineering machines, the orange and black car, Freddie Hunt to start number 15, the RLR M Sport car, and Marcello Maratiotto in the green and black DKR from the second row. But Fabian Laverne, an incredible qualifying for him to be sixth place overall. So, uh, you know, right behind some good drivers in LMP3, but maybe crucially for the start, he's also ahead of lots of the prototypes. Four of them will be bearing down on him uh, up towards the uh, Dunlop chicane. So that it calls for a bit of canny driving, really, from a driver who is still bronze-rated by the FIA. Gosh. But mindful that, you know, there's, it's going to be passes for position, but it's going to feel like lappery for the first time down the Mulsanne Strait. Well, and he has the big target on his back, Johnny, because after the race on... Thursday. Yep, that just feels weird to say. Uh, they are now the championship leaders, our Lucid Racing. They have 56 points. Their competition is the Kessel Racing car number eight. Uh, Sergio Pianazzola will be starting that car. He has 48 points, so it's only an eight-point gap. That can very easily be erased today if you do something silly off the start of the race, get in the way of an LMP3 car and get spun around. So it's not out of the question that they could lose their championship lead just as a result of the first lap of this race. Now, I do have to apologize to all the Aston Martin fans out there, including Sarah Rigby. The Beach Dean AMR will be starting the race today. They are listed as being in 18th position. I'm trying to find who we're missing because there is a gap on the grid. We did have a crash in race one for car number nine. That's the Graf racing car. It was the son, Adrian Trulier, who crashed the car. Eric, the father, will be starting the car today. But I can't find out who we're missing. I just can't match up the numbers, Johnny. Well, the, the flip side is that I've managed to find this stewards' decision number 31. Oh, well done, regarding you. Regarding that message at the bottom of the race one result. And this... Uh, 
is all to do with the number 99 Beach Dean AMR Aston. And the facts are, car 99 was found to have exceeded the permitted number of overshoots of boost pressure as stipulated in the balance of performance. The new Vantage AMR, whether a GTE or a GT3 car, is now turbocharged, remember. The maximum permitted number of overshoots is four per stint, and car 99 had five during its first stint. So the penalty, disqualification from race one results according to regulation 12.1, uh, of the Michelin Le Mans Cup sporting regulations. So that was nothing to do with mm. the contact or what we think was contact on the final run through Indianapolis and Arnage between the 99 and the number eight car, I'm pretty sure. And that incident was being investigated, but I haven't seen any uh, further decision on that, I have to admit. And I'm going to have to trawl through the various other stewards' <laughs> decisions to see how far we get. But um, the... Eight car did get a result. Let's just check with that. Uh, no, they didn't. They finished 10th. 10th, yeah, but they, that's where pretty much they finished on the road. I don't think they were penalised. Uh, no, no, uh, I didn't see anything about so that. So there's nothing against them as far as that clash between the 8 and the 99 is concerned. But uh, on Thursday, that area of the track was out of our view. It shouldn't be today, so we can call the cars all the way around the lap and hopefully fill in any blanks. Uh, compared to where you may be positioned uh, listening to 91.2 FM. Uh, it's not just the two of us in the Mobile One Radio Le Mans Broadcast Centre, but also Joe Bradley joining us again from in the pits. So what have you got so far? Uh, cars, I don't think yet, Joe, have even been released from their assembly area. Well, Johnny, we're just clearing up the Ferrari race and they've made... I've got to say, the Ferraris have been quite a mess of the pit lane. We've yeah. got uh, a few damaged Ferraris that are being retrieved, and uh, and we've got a bit of oil residue and stuff that's being dressed. So we're not really ready for them if they do appear. Uh, the teams from the uh, Royal to Le Mans, the Royal to Le Mans teams, just making their way onto the pit lane now. So we are getting in a state of readiness, but we're nowhere near that. Right? Please don't start the race without us down here. <laughs> OK, thank you for the update. Um, unfortunately, it was a rather punishing Ferrari race uh, with lots of damaged cars. So the marshals will be working very hard around this eight and a half mile circuit as well to ensure that it is ready for racing uh, once again. Uh, Shay's given you some of the points so far regarding the drivers' championship, and as you say, Duncan Tappy and Michael Benham uh, hanging on to the championship lead, but it's condensed between them and Francois Kerman and Laurence Hur in the number three car. Tony Wells and Colin Noble, a good result yesterday. Still yet to bag a pole position um, this season, but Nielsen Racing run a very strong car, and Tony Wells does all the qualifying, generally speaking. I know this week we have had a qualifying session for the bronzes and a qualifying session for the non-bronzes, so silver and golds, and that was uh, interesting to watch who was uh, quickest in that. But this is a grid... Uh, assembled after the bronze drivers had their opportunity and it was only 20 minutes which well for the main part you're looking at six laps for the LMP3s and fewer than that for the GT3s more like five laps because they're a little bit slower of course um, but a strong performance from I think so far uh, the SPS automotive performance Mercedes in GT3 that's the 40 car for Tom Onslow Cole and Valentin Pierberg. They were the 2018 Pro-Am champions in a championship called the International GT Open. And Tom Onslow Cole, with SPS, has done plenty of 24-H series races with Creventic as well. But uh, good that he's bringing his German teammate Valentin Pierberg to Le Mans, clearly the ultimate target for many. 
as as it is for many, is to is to race in the in the big one one day. Yeah, and Thomas O'Connor knows what it's like to stand on the top step of the podium for a support race here at Le Mans. So looking to do that again, they will roll off 16th on the grid with uh, the Nielsen Racing car of Bonamy Grimes alongside him in the 15th spot, and that's a car that was just announced as the driver lineup will be doing. Uh, battle in the big race this mm. time next year so what better inspiration than to chase your dreams by chasing someone who is achieving their dreams there were lots of late times in the session as well and because it was the bronzes put out there they were tending to get faster and faster through the session rather than i noticed in qualifying one the faster times were done very early on and that's the capability of a, of a silver or a uh, or a gold driver that's the ability for those drivers to just put the marker down as almost as soon as they go out but um Kerman and Maratiotta took a little bit of time to just get their bearings work out where the pace in the car might be uh and there was also that was the session that was red flag affected yeah. uh, therefore some drivers i noticed don't even have times to their name. Oh, no, that, beg your pardon. That's because uh, the way that Alcomol lists it on the sheet, uh, they actually list the silver drivers as well. Of course, we never saw those in the session, but it, it was but stilted it, nevertheless. Yeah, it, it was uh, a caution-affected session. I do remember there being several sectors out on the track at different points in time, and it seemed like when one would clear away, another would start. So mm. the opportunity to set a fast lap perhaps hindered much later than normal for the bronze drivers. Yeah, and... Uh, when the session's pretty short anyway, the last thing you need is a red flag, although the clock was stopped and about eight and a half minutes into the 20 minute session. But then what that means is everyone's got to come back into the pit lane at a much reduced speed. The, the, the green flag eventually flies again with, it was 11 minutes and 11 seconds on the clock. I remember that now. <laughs> uh, and of course you've got to do another outlap. So that's the best part of, well, over four minutes, all of a sudden you're then got eight minutes two laps to look at to, to uh, try and improve your time so not ideal for the lesser experienced drivers and all they're keen for is as many laps as possible okay they had two hours to themselves during the individual free practice uh, sessions uh, but uh, an opportunity to get times in very infrequent because there's 50 odd cars going around as well so this is still very early on in the history of the Road to Le Mans initiative, and it's one part, two parts, of a season-long championship, which only began in 2016 when it was GT3s alone, although when they came to Le Mans in 2016, the idea to throw in a load of, G of uh, LMP3s seemed like a good one, and it was so enjoyed by the competitors and those that officiate uh, they decided to add LMP3s into the championship in 2017 as well. Uh, <laughs> there's no invitation for the LMP3 championship winner to Le Mans. But then the next, the next natural step is you win LMP3 in the Road to Le Mans event, go into ELMS perhaps, get yourself established there. And then we've seen many teams in recent years move from LMP3, like into Europol competition, mm. to then obtain an LMP2 chassis. And there's a really neat ladder now, whether you are in the prototype side of the classes or in the GTs. Perfect example, Johnny. United Autosport, Graf, yeah. they're running cars in the big show and LMP3 cars in uh, both races. So it really is a ladder system, especially when you've got rungs in each. You can bring drivers into your team by saying, hey, start with us here. Run with us here for a couple of years. And it is the road to Le Mans, after all. Mm. That is the ultimate goal. Indeed. Yeah, the... Uh 
proofs in the title of the championship. Um, yes. Lusik Racing of Switzerland are on 56 points then after a win on Thursday. They've also had a pole position at the start of the year when Fabian Laverne was quickest in qualifying at Paul Ricard. And one win from the three races. Kessel Racing, also of Switzerland, second in the championship. And the gap is now uh, just eight points. And another Swiss team, although they're Italian, once you scratch beneath the surface, Spirit of Race, 30 points for that team who run, the, who run the 51 car after a third place finish at Monza. SPS Automotive Performance of Germany ha uh, are a full season entry, but that's not the 40 car, it's the 54 car, which I think we've also got here this weekend. Yes, we yes. have. Dexter Muller and Yannick Mettler, who finished seventh in the first race on Thursday and other results so far this year include a second place at Paul Ricard. So they are currently fourth in the championship. That's how the teams break down. And if you're looking for the 54 car in the race, it is what color, Shay? Uh, orange with black, as opposed to the 40, which was the one that was white, silver, and black with the large watch on the hood. Yes. And, and it is a large hood, so it's a large watch. It, yeah, automatically. And that car, the 40, carrying some Richard Meal sponsorship as well. Lannan Racing uh, lead the team's championship in the Michelin Le Mans Cup into race four of the year. Two wins, but uh, a race to forget kind of for Lannan after they were neatly placed, but called in to do, take a drive through with just a handful of laps remaining. And Duncan Tappy needed to do that after the car was waved into, well, not into the path of another, but there was a car alongside and not really the gap there. So contact was made between the front left corner of the Lannan car and the rear right of uh, uh, one of the sky blue machines. I never did work out which car it uh, slapped into the side of, but I think both continued. Um, one thing that stands out from Thursday's race is the huge off for Adrian Truier, which brought the yellow flags out. In fact, a slow zone in the final zone of the lap, zone nine, and Adrian Truier needed to head to the medical center in the back of the rescue unit he is fine, it's my understanding, and the Truier car uh, is due to start, I think, unless, yep. of course, that's the machine that we're missing, because you reckon... Nope, it's on here, it's starting 31st. Okay. But we are one car short, we have 49 only. Yeah, and the entry was definitely 50, so I wonder whether that was because of a drama. The, the other thing is, of course, you put two 20-minute sessions for qualifying back-to-back, -back. if you have an issue in the first, there isn't necessarily the time to sort things out in time for the next session because you've only got 15 minutes before the green flag is waved again and that's just the nature of the timetabling here this week at Le Mans G good to have two annual support races um, alongside the 24 hours but it does mean that Thursday is just manic Wednesday afternoon is reserved for the first free practice session uh, and uh, then Thursday is, is practice qualifying and a race and I think it's done like that at the request, or partly done at the request of the drivers as well, because they have business commitments away from motorsport. That's certainly the, the reason why ELMS is done the way that it is as well. They try and cram in all the sessions to late Friday and then all day Saturday, Sunday, and hopefully get the race done nice and early as well. The ELMS races have tended to start at midday or one o'clock now, so that it's an early finish, and those involved with business on a Monday morning can be back at their headquarters in plenty of time. The 71 Ferrari weaving from left to right. It's going to start from sixth position on the grid. Remember, 
after qualifying, the classes are not split, so it's not a case of having a big chunk of LMP3s at the front and then the GT3s right at the back. We've got a GT3 sixth on the grid, one eleventh on the grid and one sixteenth as well, and they stretch back all the way to, as you say, 49th on the grid. But it does appear that the Team Africa Bentley is there, which was badly damaged uh, on Wednesday. Yeah. Yeah. Wednesday before the first practice even got underway. It was actually leaving the garage area, and they sort of come out at the exit of Corvette Corners is pretty much where their paddock is. They come out there, go through the Ford chicane, and then into the pit lane. Didn't even make it that far. Bruce Jones, our very own, was standing outside, heard a loud screeching, a loud bang, and it was the Bentley. So the Bentley missed the entirety of the first practice session. The 62 Ferrari is stopped out on course uh, underneath the Rolex bridge. That has two American flag drivers. That's Anthony Lazaro's car. I don't know if he's actually the one driving it, but it's a long way behind the rest of the train, though, Johnny, as uh, he's been there for quite some time by the looks of it. Well, the cars will have been released from the support paddock and the assembly area to then stream across the line to start their green flag lap. And it looks like the 62's got onto the track and really not gone much further. It's pretty much right outside where the team have set up, ready for its pit stop. That would be Philip Mulacek behind the wheel of that car right now. So Anthony Lazaro looking like he's not going to get to drive again. Didn't get a chance to take the green flag in the first race. His co-driver did. True, yes. And uh, that w yes, I, I remember the 62 car has had a troubled run yeah. in the uh, red with the black roof uh, livery. So question is now whether uh, Philip Mulacek will be able to start the race maybe from the pit lane. Fred Sose with a wave to the camera though. With uh, <laughs> He's very excited ahead of the innovation car, the innovative car number 84 starting its second race. The target, no doubt about it, is to try and get uh, that team of drivers to Le Mans one day and within, ideally, the next three years. So, Well, they have an entry for next year. Do they not? Isn't that I what think, they told us? I think that's what Matt Fernandez, who yeah. does their PR, told us, yes. And uh, thank you, Matt, for taking the time to chat to us in our uh, little Road to Le Mans feature, which has been played out several times now on 91.2 FM. Matt does great work for Daily Sports Car as well with, da with Graham Goodwin, but also uh, looks after the PR uh, for the innovative car. So uh, Snoozy Ben Musa. Takuma Aoki and Nigel Bailey are the three drivers. Takuma did the first race, so Nigel Bailey uh, will be in the number 84 car, but it will be uh, Snoozy Ben Musa to do the opening stint to hand over to the Belgian. It was a good shot there of Nigel Bailey sitting in the garage waiting for an opportunity to go. And we say sitting in the garage because he is actually paralyzed from the waist down as a result of a motocross accident uh, mm. a couple of years back. So he's only been racing for two years. But Nigel Bailey already getting the opportunity to come and drive a race car at Le Mans. You'll be able to tell that car apart because it has bright orange on the tail section of the Ligier. So that really does help to make it stand out and distinguish it from all the other cars out on track on the outside, even though on the inside it has a lot of different buttons and controls to help the drivers. Kyle Bowl Bassasson is in the multicolored CD Sport Norma. That's a Spanish entry and has bits of yellow and orange and black on it. Number 30 will start then from the inside of row four. And alongside him, Tony Wells, who had a good opening stint on Thursday in the Nielsen racing machine. But qualifying, uh, it's more disappointing than it was from the first session, although that was Tony 
uh, getting the car to eighth place. Colin Noble did a very good job to put, I think, the Nielsen car fourth for the first race of the week. It'll be Christian Olsen to do the opening stint in the number 14 RLR M Sport car. And Adrian Schiller, who we heard from in French uh, with Joe Bradley after the race on Thursday. Uh, and nevertheless, good to hear Adrian Schiller, who was ecstatic after that result in the 39, uh, with some work to do down in 10th position. Sergio Pianazzola will be the second of the GT3 cars, and then it is in number 43, the Markerson, uh, Michael Markerson car of Kio Racing that he shares with Swede Joachim Fried. So Fried to do the second stint from 12th position. But already, the rolling grid is starting to form up, so they're heading through Porsche Curves, they've gone over the road bridge, and now heading through Maison Blanche, the right and the left, high speed uh, change of direction, and it is two Normas on the front row, Lannan then to driver's left, and DKR Engineering to driver's right. All the styrofoam bollards have been replaced, uh, all the signs back where they should be, everything looking pristine for this second half of round three to the road to Le Mans. And it's about to go green, Johnny Palmer. And this is, remember, a championship battle pretty much as well. Side by side, the leader in the championship on pole position. The car second in the championship right alongside. Who will get the best of the starts then as they stream across the line and 49 cars head towards the Dunlop curve for the first time. Let's hope for a clean race because we did have a red flag, uh, rather a, a yellow flag, a full course yellow in the first race. Oh, there's Ooh. already a car off at high speed. That's the RLR M Sport car of Freddie Hunt, which comes straight across the middle of the track and everyone trying to avoid the Ferrari I think of Fabian Laverne did manage to get through but it has left the number 11 car of um, of tumbling down the order Melin stuck right in the middle of the road the DKR engineering cars neck and neck as well and it's uh, Marcello Maratiotto who briefly had the lead but that car's damaged as well and now the Number eight car, which is well up there. Who's driving the number eight car for the opening stint? It's Sergio Pianazzola, wasting no time at all. But he got a big old shoulder barge from Maratiotto, which was clearly uh, a, an ailing car. But having said that, the five now has found more gears. Fabian Laverne tucked in right behind, as is the Graf car number 39. But that all stemmed from Freddie Hunt not making the Dunlop curve in the RLR M Sport car and going right across the track in front of the pack show. That was phenomenal. Phenomenal luck that Freddie Luck did not hit anyone as the five DKR engineering Lee Norma goes straight on through the first chicane. He is followed by the RLR M Sport car as well as we briefly had a yellow flag at the Marshall Post 11. That was because of people going straight through the chicane. Wanted to make sure that nobody was intercepted by one of those cars coming back. So streaming out of the first chicane for the first lap, it's Francois Kerman for DKR Engineering that leads then for the first run down the Molsan with in second position Michael Benham for Lannan Racing. So Kerman getting the better of the start. A great start as well for CD Sport with Kyle Bolbesson in the 30 car up to third position. Marcello Maratiotto for DKR Engineering is in fourth, and Sergio Pianazzola somehow managing to keep out of trouble in the all-blue Ferrari. Car number eight then running fifth overall. What an impressive start from the Kessel Racing entry. Sergio Pianazzola putting the right foot down and driving clear past the blue six racing Ferrari that started on the pole position. And, of course, the Mercedes that was back in the pack a little bit more. Now it's trying to climb its way up through, but very 
impressive first lap so far, Johnny. That, the GT3 car, is still running in sixth, ninth, and 11th overall after the Molson. Third in the GT3 category is the SPS Automotive Performance Mercedes of Valentin Pierberg. But the Ferraris very nearly side by side as they left the Molsan corner. And that is Pianazzola versus Fabian Leverne. They should be relatively evenly matched because they're both bronze drivers. In turn, handing over to Giacomo Pacini for the eight. And it'll be Mikkel Mack to take over the number 71 once we get to the part of the race where they come in for pit stops. There's almost a challenge there as well for third position as Adrian Schiller looks Looks very racy. They turn right at Arnage for the first time. The leader's already cleanly through that part of the track. But Marcello Maratiotto under stern pressure here from the red, white, and blue Graf Norma of Adrian Schiller. Michael Markison in the number 43 Kio racing car. He's going to need uh, a bit of an underpants change at his next pit stop, Johnny Palmer. He went around the outside of the Kessel Racing Ferrari at Indianapolis and now drove down the inside of somebody else at Porsche Curves. He's all over the place and making up positions left, right and center. Ferraris worked side by side heading into Porsche Curves, but naturally had to get into single file. And it is still Pianazzola in the eight Ferrari just ahead of Fabian Levert. Although, interestingly, through the last spit, split, it was the red Ferrari judged to be marginally ahead. Well, it's flipped, flipped back again now in the favour of the Kessel Racing example. So, Pianazzola, Laverne, and then the Mercedes of Valentin Pierberg, but the leaders in LMP3 back across the line. And Francois Kerman leading then from Mikey Benham. And Benham's main priority is to not relinquish second place here to Kyle Boll Bessesson. They get to the top of the hill underneath the Dunlop Bridge and Bessesson in the multicolored 30 car. The CD Sport livery looking more like a collage this year and taking a slightly different line through the Dunlop uh, S's. Pressurizing the 25 into potentially a mistake, but Benham's been driving this prototype now for a couple of years, so knows it very well. Oh, taking a couple of floppies Ooh. there, and maybe a bit of bodywork from the CD Sport car was Kyle Bolbessasson. He was wide on the approach to Tet Rouge, and these very stiff floppy boards now are the penalty. You're going to whip them out of their mounting and potentially take a chunk of bodywork off your car. There's debris on track at the exit of Arnage where we had car number 11, the racing experience of Nicola Merlin, go off the track in the Norma. He has since made it back to the pit lane, but I'm guessing that there's a bit of damage to that car. Yes, remember that 11, Nicola Mella, uh, the racing experience car was left broadside across the road. There's contact Ooh. in the first chicane, though, and that was Marcello Maratiotto clashing with the Kio racing car, I think, of uh, Michael Markison. Let's just have a look. Yeah, I think that was 43, yeah. just ahead of the two Ferraris. It was, so Marcuson, Maratiotto battling for sixth and seventh positions. Maratiotto turned in. They won't, well, he left the door open for me, but the Kia racing yep. car wasn't fully alongside. Contact was made as they turned right at the Forza Motorsport chicane, and Maratiotto could very easily be out of the race. What about this Ferrari battle, though, in GT3, Shay? For the lead, they've reached the Michelin chicane now. And uh, that's apt, considering this is the Michelin Le Mans Cup. <laughs> and they are amazingly still battling for eighth and ninth overall. Blue Ferrari leading red Ferrari right now as Sergio Pianazzola not worried about the championship at this stage of the race. His uh, 
fellow Ferrari driver, very much so. Fabian Laverne came into this race with the championship lead. And as we were talking about before things kicked off, Johnny, you've got a lot more to lose if you are the championship leader. This was only race three B in effect yep. of the championship. So you got a long way to go. And there's been a change for second place overall. That was a great overtake on the brakes into the Mulsanne corner for Kyle Ball Bessasor. He's managed to slip underneath Michael Benham, and Benham still sticking with the CD Sport car. There's really nothing between those two machines as they turn left at the banked Indianapolis corner. However, Ball Bessasor's exit out of Indianapolis and towards Arnage, very good indeed. He's really close to Francois Kerman. Meanwhile, Kerman's teammate in the sister DKR engineer machine touring its way up to the chicane with rear right bodywork being hang, uh, hanging off that car and also hearing from Joe Bradley in the pits Joe you've got the 11 car with you news on that please yeah very you know what slight damage really on the number 11 they've replaced the nose section however on the rear either side of the diffuser is this little kind of triangulated box section that attaches to the car however this box section houses the lights at the back now it was hanging off been dragged along by the car. They've, they've basically snipped it off and we're about to release the car. However, the official stepped in and went, whoa, whoa, no, you can't do that. You, do, you haven't got any lights on the left-hand rear. So the brake lights have gone from the left-hand side of the rear of the car. So now the car is being retired. It was uh, a bit unfortunate considering the car is uh, showing signs of contact with what looks like a barrier, uh, tyre scuffs all the way down the left-hand side. But they repaired pretty much what they needed to. However, regulation to regulation the car cannot continue without a full set of brake lights you know those little door wedges that sit behind the rear wheels is it missing one of those as well yeah, yeah right. that's exactly what it is yeah well, your, mate, your mate gary robinshaw calls calls those bullets and i think when you're ordering fresh parts you order a new bullet as we have a change now potentially for the lead of the race as kyle ball Bessasson up the Whoa. inside then and gets the move done on francois kerman the 30 cd sport car now out front in the second road to Le Mans race of the week. Oh, and both cars in the background Whoa. in the grass, both in the barrier as well. Kerman and Benham, and Benham still going for the overtake, even though he's just come out the Arco barrier. And it's a drag race down out of Tête Rouge. Benham did not blink through that whole moment. They've kicked up the dust for all behind. So Adrian Schiller might be struggling to find the asphalt, to be honest. It's full of grass. And the white car from Lannan Racing, Schiller is still in fourth place. But amazingly, Michael Benham gets the pass. Real racing drivers keep it flat even when you're in the grass. We've just seen that clearly both of those boys subscribe to the Sebastian Vettel principle of things as Michael Benham and that number three machine. Keep in mind, they are first and second in the championship. They were both just off in the Forest S's. They were both battling side by side through Tete Rouge and now they have to calm down. They do. Palmer because there's a slow zone for the next section. I wondered what on <laughs> earth was going on there as all of a sudden the power was lost for every single car in the race. But you're right, into a slow zone that began on the run into the Forza Motorsport chicane and it is zone four that is restricted to 80 kilometers per hour. There were a couple of cars off into turn one for the first lap. How Freddie Hunt got quite got through a gap. It was after contact between Freddie Hunt and Marcello Maratiotto, by the way, in the green DKR engineering machine. And somehow, through a pack of cars that were all tightly bunched on that rolling grid, uh, the 
RLR M Sport car found some sort of hole in the air. Amazing stuff. And goodness knows what everyone else was thinking as Anigier came flying at them from a 90 degree angle. But also briefly off was the number eight Ferrari, I reckon, too. Yeah, which is even more impressive given then how quickly that eight Ferrari leapt to the lead, uh, Sergio Pianazola. But uh, Laverne is back into the lead in the GT3 class, the seventh place overall. The competition in the Kessel Racing Ferrari is back to 11th. We've got cars in between them for the first time this race. Yes, we have, and that must have happened before those cars got to the slow zone because no overtaking permitted there. So very much the calm before the storm because as soon as they get out of zone four and into <laughs> five, they'll be seeing the green flags, and green flags mean you can start racing again. There is a solid white line, I notice, as well, which tells the drivers where zone four ends and zone five begins, and they power their way now out of the kink, the right-hand kink that will lead them ultimately to the Mulsanne corner. Those Nissan engines getting an opportunity to breathe on that section of the Mulsanne, as well as the drivers. Calm down, get zen, <laughs> meditate a little bit. Oh, wait, there's the line. Go, go, go! And all of a sudden, you're back to full power and racing your heart out for a win at Le Mans. That doesn't happen very often. The other thing that's happening is that Freddie Hunt, the car that was airborne at turn two um, on the opening lap, is threatening now Adrian Schiller for fourth position. So not only has he managed to contain that lurid run through the first couple of corners, but also clearly no damage on that car because it's going very nicely and is the highest placed of the Ligier JSP3s. The brand new Ligier uh, JSP20, I think they're going to call it, is on display or has been on display this week because we're into another uh, watershed as far as LMP3 chassis are concerned. Four different manufacturers designing cars that can run in this category for future years. So exciting times for Ligier. JSP3 has been around for a couple of seasons. The Norma is the newer car and that's potentially the reason why it's so much stronger down the tubes here. However, the Ligier looks to be very stable in the corners. Johnny, do my eyes deceive me, or is there damage to the back of the car that won yesterday, the 39 graph racing machine of Adrian Schiller? Just maybe on the right rear, the, the back of the car just looks a little bit unstable as opposed to what it did at the start. Yeah, it's possible, and uh, who knows whether that car was able to avoid an awful lot of carnage at the start. It might have just been a slight clip True. to another car, and maybe now Adrian Schiller is struggling with the handling of 39. It'll be Nicolas Schatz, the multi-champion uh, in French hill climbing to take over that car for the second stint. That's exactly how they played it in race one, with Schiller doing the opening stint, Schatz the second. There's no, nothing in the regulations that stipulates you have to put your bronze driver in at the start of the race. It can be either or, as drifting his way out of the second bit of the Ford chicane there was Freddie Hunt, so applying the throttle nice and early. Freddie's just done the absolute best first sector, so there's no problem at all with the Ligier's pace through the twisty stuff at the start of the lap. Remember, sector one runs from the start-finish line all the way up to the apex at Tete Rouge, and the second sector is the Moltan straight, effectively. The third sector, sector runs from turn 20 all the way to home again.
Freddie's substantially faster. And now that's been fixed. As soon as the words come out of my mouth, the best sector one time comes in from a Norma. I was going to say, the Ligier was about six-tenths quicker than we saw from the Norma. But now there is damage to the back of the number nine graph machine. And that's the car that was in the wall yesterday, Johnny. Yes, it is. Yeah, it looks like he's had a couple of teeth knocked down, yeah. doesn't it? With both of those bullets hanging loose from the rear left and the rear right corners. Do you prefer bullets or cheese wedges? Um, I don't really mind, frankly, but I, I think the guys that uh, are working on the cars will, in fact, the ACO call them bullets, um, but uh, no, I, I like door wedge or cheese wedge as well, and uh, a lot of people call them the legality panel as well. They carry the rear oh, lights, yeah. yep. and uh, if your car is missing one of those, the stewards don't like it much, and you have to come in generally to fix the problem. A few moments ago, we nearly lost the second and the third place cars. There was a big clout of the barrier, certainly for Benham, and I think more of a scrape for the number three of Francois Kerman and a big lose Ooh. at the top of the hill for the number 13 car, the Inter-Europol competition entry. And that was Philippe Bourgeois, I think, doing the opening stint yep. in that Ligier. Turning right at Dunlop Curve with no problem, but he hit the brakes then to go through the chicane and the rear stepped away. Thank goodness the gravel trap is deep enough there, generally speaking, to halt a car. Uh, the slow zone has now been lifted in zone four, by the way, but there are still yellow flags being displayed at Marshall Post 3, which is because of that recent spin for Bourgeois. And the Graf Racing number 39 that we noted was losing parts is indeed shedding them and leaving them on the racetrack. So that car has been reported to the stewards as losing its panels around the circuit. That will have to come into the pit lane and visit Joe Bradley. As the cars then exit, Mulsanne, and we've still got 40 minutes of this race to enjoy. Who is thinking about getting involved then in the battle for fourth position? That will be Natapiel, I think, in another of the Graf cars, as there was a change of position oh. a moment or two ago. Great overtake for the number 90 machine. Talkinitsa, father and son. Yeah. Which one is in it now? Uh, it is Talkinitsa Junior ah. on board. Well done. And getting ahead of Bonamy Grimes in the number 17 Nielsen Racing Machine. Bond Grimes, by the sound of things, going to be involved in the World Endurance Championship next season. I only say by the sound of things because we haven't had drivers released yet to the press, but we know that Red River Sport will be part of that championship, and Johnny Molan spoke to Andrew Marriott earlier on, suggesting Bond Grimes might be the bronze, and Johnny Molan the gold, so they've got a silver driver there to uh, to find, to make or it bronze. a three-piece. Or another bronze. It could be another bronze, yeah. but, who, who but when you're up against it? other teams with silvers, I think they'll find a, a sneaky silver somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, you well, otherwise, there's a door open for, for Ivor Dunbar. Or True. John Hindoff. Well, I was going to say, as, who, as has been suggested, who do we know who's a bronze? I mean, who who has their license and helmet with them at every possible opportunity? And Adidas fire suit. So that could uh, that could happen. We do have another slow zone outer on the circuit. So again, go 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 go, and then you get to the start finish line. And, okay, breathe. Go to my happy place. Just yeah. calm down. Yeah, and they're about to do that now because the Ford Chicane is still at racing speed, but they'll get to the line, to the stripe, and all of a sudden have to hit the 80 kph limiter. They do that now, and Benham in second position has just built himself a little bit of a cushion back to the orange and black DKR engineering norma mm. of Francois Kerman. 
Nat Abiel, really impressive in the number 72 graph car. He's right on the back now of teammate Adrian Schiller. And more importantly for those guys, Freddie Hunt is within an arm's length in fourth place. But I've been impressed with Freddie Hunt's stint here to not only overtake Schiller, but also open up a, a, a difference of probably five or six car lengths. He did that into the second chicane on the lap just completed. And I think Schiller realised that Freddie was coming there and he couldn't do an awful lot to hold him back, so deliberately did not close the door. Commitment had been made by Freddie Hunt, and there's the change for fourth position in car number 15. Michael Markerson running seventh in the Keogh Racing Ligier. The first of the GT3s remains Fabian Leverne in the Ferrari. Laura Milara runs in ninth position in the 19M Racing entry. It's a sort of silvery primer coloured with the Dayglow detailing on the nose. And then the number two car of Tony Wells started eighth and has only dropped a couple of positions. So that's a good place to hand the car over to Colin Noble. And for all you British fans out there listening in, the Beach Dean Aston Martin is being driven by Andrew Howard. They are up to fourth in class. Flickhag is listed as being in the TF Sport Aston Martin. Whether or not she actually is driving it, there was a transponder issue with that car in the last race. She is in sixth position. And the Bentley, the most regal car in the field, number 95, 16th position right now with Greg Mills behind the wheel. Jan Lammer is still to come. And Flickhag, a British GT champion in 2018, having won that title with Johnny Adam. They finished ahead of Phil Keane and John Minshaw at the end of 2018. The two Graf cars, although you can be mistaken for thinking they're not in the same team because of the different paint schemes, but these are two entries from the French squad. And Adrian Chilis just ahead of Natan Biel, who's starting to flash the lights now to his teammate. Maybe Natan thinking, well, I've got a better chance of getting by Freddie Hunt in this session, so let me pass Adrian Schiller. I don't think he's going to make this necessarily easy, even though they're teammates. Nope. Well, they they might be teammates when they get back to the garage, John Palmer, but right now I think Adrian Schiller has uh, radio issues, and he's not <laughs> looking in his mirrors, so the team can't let him know. Uh, no, and by the way, apologies, Sarah Rigby, because... Um, I think I've just jinxed Curse of the Commentator, car oh number 90. The TF Sport is being reported as having a loose hood, right. and they're saying you must fix this on your pit stop. Now, when they do come in to serve their pit stop and change drivers, you have to be in the pit lane for two minutes. That's from pit in to pit out. Might take a little bit longer if you've got to get the 100-mile-an-hour tape out and make sure that the hood isn't going anywhere. Those down in the pit lane are starting to prepare ahead of the mandatory pit stop. Remember, this, uh, these pit stops will be limited to time, so you can't be quicker from pit in to pit out than two minutes. And we had at least one team doing a 1 minute 57 pit stop yesterday, which is not allowed. And you have either have to come in to serve that extra time or it's added to your race time plus a bit more at the end of the event. So always better to play it safe in that regard. Maybe go for two minutes, two, two minutes, three. And one or two teams did do that yesterday. But it's also tricky to judge that minimum pit stop time when you've got so much traffic to deal with. You can release them on time and then actually be delayed, of course, on your route to the end of the pit lane. And that could cost you five or six seconds. So really tricky. Johnny, the so Natan Biel is on it. He's found the headlight flashing button, which is the go faster button, at least mentally speaking. And he has been flashing the headlights at his teammate three times this lap. So clearly that number 72 graph racing machine looking to do everything in his power to get around the 39 and his teammate. 
Yeah, Joe Bradley making the point that uh, it's shaved so closely to the time, but I'm just wondering whether you can actually send them early and uh, rely on a delay. No, maybe not. That's not a good idea. Uh, but as I say, it wasn't the easiest pit lane exit. Uh, just ask Duncan Tappy about that, who clouded the side of another LMP3. He certainly was delayed as on his run to the timing loop at the end of the pit lane. And uh, as a result, got a penalty, got a drive through when he was leading the race. The Graf cars then separated by a slightly larger margin this time, heading up towards the Dunlop curve. But it is still Kyle Bolt Bessasson who leads the way in the CD Sport uh, Norma. And so much clear track ahead of him, just heading through Tete Rouge now. And the next car he'll have to think about when it comes to Lapery is at the second chicane, so he can relax here. He's building a tidy margin over the other cars. Michael Benham, though, is showing very good speed uh, down the Mulsanne straight, because on the last lap round, Benham made his, made his car the fastest in the middle sector. Ooh, now, Yes, is Adrian Schiller a bit of a sitting duck here as they head out of Tete Rouge towards the first chicane, because Natapiel, for me, has got a better exit. This is a long straight on the public road now. The Lindois de Nadier and pulling alongside goes the 72 car. Surely this is going to be a little bit of a box pass because he's got the position on the road and that's neat and tidy for Natabiel. Well done. He made it stick. It looked a little bit iffy there for a moment, Johnny, but uh, in the end, the pass was clean and it was made and uh, no further issues. As the first of our pit stops has taken place and that's Maurizio Mediani who is getting into the number 51 Ferrari and the team card, the number 52, they've got 51, 52, 53 and 54 running in the Spirit of Race Garage. 52 will get a stop-and-go 30-second penalty because they were speeding in the slow zone. That was Francesco Piovanetti, who will be handing over to Oz Negri. They didn't finish yesterday's race. There was severe damage to the back of that car after contact with the Mercedes. Yeah, well, it's only a 55-minute race, this, but it feels like you've got incidents that could be seen in a whole season sometimes. Challenge again is on for second position with Lanan Racing versus DKR Engineering. The two Normas not really any further apart, and this is playing nicely into the hands of Kyle Bol Bessasson, who now has a, an eight and a half second lead. Now, I'm just gonna remind myself about the 30 car because Kyle, I think, yes, is the silver. So Jack Wolf to take over the car, but the reason why he's got nearly a 10 second lead is because it's a, a silver race leader versus the two bronzes. Just uh, also, Francois Kerman, yes, is the bronze. So this is, this could evolve very easily into the race lead, 25 versus three, bearing in mind we've got Laurence Herr to come in the three, and we've got a certain Duncan Tappy, a rather revved up Duncan Tappy after what happened on Thursday, to come in the 25. So don't think this race is done and dusted by any stretch, because there's very different strategies being utilized by CD Sport compared to Lannan and DKR. Genuine question here, Johnny. Uh, the co-driver, Freddie Hunt, is listed as a silver. Martin Veldel Mortensen, I don't know anything about Mr. Mortensen. Um, is he faster than Freddie? Uh, Martin Vadel is, again, very, very new to prototype racing. I think they're maybe about the same, actually, although Martin Vadel's previous experience says that he's a silver, and Freddie Hunt's uh, done plenty of single-seater racing in the UK. 
but I think more getting used to the behavioural tendencies of, a, of an aero-dependent car. I mean, these cars are so quick. And Joe Bradley, I know you've had some GT3s pitting early on in the window. Well, heading for you now is this fabulous fight for second position between Michael Benham and Francois Kerman. I reckon still that the win might come from either of these two cars. Remember, they are first and second in the championship as well. So over to you. We'll keep an eye on them as they... Are they on pit road, did you say, They Johnny? are, yes, yeah, they heading are. for you now. Just coming into sight. Um, while the cars that are leading the championship uh, head towards me, I'll uh, just let you know that the TF Sport bonnet sorted well and truly uh, plenty of time to do that with two minutes to do that and the obligatory stop the 25 there the three is there the 20 they're both in pit out and they both swing onto the pit apron pretty much uh, as one so we'll keep a stopwatch on there to see who's going to get the release but I don't think there's going to be any kind of position change in that pit stop because it's not as quick as you can do it it's a two minute delta in and out yeah it's a very good point so uh, assuming everything goes to plan that the two cars should leave as one as well and that's what I mean we're guaranteed a fight at least for the early part of the stint and we'll see what Laurence Hur has got compared to Duncan Tappy because those are the drivers that will be taking over these machines drivers are being strapped in now why the reason for the delta time I hear you ask well that is because you're dealing with teams that are very new to prototype racing and potentially very new to races that include a pit stop so to make sure everything is done belt and braces wise the wheels are attached correctly the fuel goes in so well there's no fuel actually in this event but we do have that in the two-hour races and to make sure the drivers belted in safely as well they sort of take that the, the true time limit away that you would get in the 24 hours of Le Mans so that, that nothing is is missed out they are now being wheeled out so this is a relatively sedate pit stop don't think that uh, something's gone wrong they are now literally just waiting for the time to tick by as we head back to joe bradley for another update yeah just to complicate things the number 29 that's the jumbo livery car that's pulled in right in the middle right oh, in the yes. middle of the two leaders now the number three they've preempted that and they've rolled that car back the dpr engineering gets off the pit road first or does he indeed no he's just beaten to the line by the lead car, so nothing's changed. But I tell you what, guys, that was very close, and it was almost the pit stop teams that have won that one. But no, there's no change. They've gone out nose to tail. But it was the, the lead car, the 25 car, I think, that just got out in front. It was, you're right. But I'm sure they were mindful of Thursday's race as well when they released Duncan Tappy into the path of another car. Desperately didn't want to do that, but they also really wanted to get out in front ahead of Lawrence Hur. They both were in the pit lane, Johnny, for two minutes and three seconds, but the gap has extended yes. for the number 25. Duncan Tappy has breathing room. He can sit back and have a cup of tea now. The number three is miles behind him. Well, of course, the 25 did have the clear route out of the pit lane. If anything, the three was balked by the 29 Yumbo car, which slotted between. But remember, the 29's a DKR car as well, it isn't is. it? So they were able... It's the same team as the orange number three, and they, they four will have expected the 29 in uh, and wheeled the th number three car back just a few feet to make sure it had the clearance once Lawrence Hur needed to steer the car back into the fast lane. But I think we're already seeing the superior pace of Duncan Tappy. OK, those cars have rejoined fairly well down the order. Seventh and eighth, I make it. However, you just watch them rise to the surface because all of the cars ahead of them, CD Sport, RLRM Sport, Graf, 
etc etc they've all still got to come in for their stop and in fact the current race leader Kyle Bolbesson is just heading towards the end of his lap now and indeed the end of his stint because he pulls right and into pit road let me just give you a couple names of some of the drivers now behind the wheels in the GT3 category. You've got Roy Aguash in the number 53 Ferrari, Ollie Hancock in the number 50 Kessel Racing Ferrari, and Pierre Kaffer in the team for Kessel 82 Ferrari. Jan Lammers is in the Bentley, number 95. Tom Alonso Cole is in the 40 Mercedes. We've got, who else? In, Ross Gunn in the GT3 Aston Martin. And where was it? I just saw it. Uh, no, it fell down a little too far. Never mind. Mikkel Mack, yesterday's race winner, is still in the leading GT3 car. And uh, Joe Bradley, I'm hoping you're somewhere close now to the number 30 car, which has just been brought in by Kevin Bolbesson to uh, take its mandatory stop. So from the race lead, CD Sport. And you've also got a few more as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm not quite, but I'm closer than you are, Johnny. <laughs> uh, so I can't see further down now. I've come up to pit out to try and get a word with Michael Benham, which I will indeed do, because yes. it was an exciting start of that race, and still that... So when we, uh, when I do get a chance to speak to him, I will. Obviously, the number 30 is on the pit road. It's They're not frantic pit stops. You've got to keep reminding yourself of the two-minute obligatory stop, so everything's rather sedate. Initially, instinctively, I think, oh, there's a problem with the car. They haven't released it straight away. They're just waiting around the car, and then I remind myself, it's two minutes, it's two minutes. So everything calm for the number 30, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that's not going to hang on to that lead because there's nothing to gain or lose in these mandatory obligatory two minutes stops no that's a good point and uh, almost the more time the more downtime you've got uh, the more you've got to sort of think about all that stuff you haven't done you know the brain starts to tick away but they've waved Jack Wolf now back into the fast lane of the pit lane and he will get back up to full racing speed in a moment taking over from Kevin Paul Bessasson it's going to be close, Johnny, because the battle for second right now is in the exit of the Ford Chicane. So now the race distance is only a front straight, and everything has cooled off on that number 30. Whereas when the 25 and the 3 get to them, they're at full racing speed. Yeah, and uh, absolutely nose to tail as well. So Duncan Tappy at the moment cannot shake the uh, Lomos Her car. So Tappy versus Hoer, and Hoer has even a little bit of a look there. I notice the 25 car is also missing one of the cheese wedges from the rear left corner, so there's that indication of already some contact, Shane. That was from when he went into the wall and drove off on the grass a little earlier, Johnny. Right, so as this battle for second place continues, remember it's a battle for second on the road, but they're also together now trying to catch Jacques Wolf, who is the bronze, who's taken over from on the CD sport car. And now let's try and get some reaction, maybe at Lannan, Joe. Yeah, Michael Benham, he, uh, he's just handed the car. Michael, that first stint, that first part of the race, that was very exciting from where we were. Yeah, no, it was good fun. Obviously, there was uh, myself, Francois and Kevin up the front there. Um, I'm guessing the Francois and I both thought the same that it really wasn't worth battling Kevin because we're not really racing him at this moment in time. Uh, but it was, it, it's always awesome racing against Francois. He's a competitive driver, he's a quick driver. Uh, bit of respect, I think, from each other, but I suppose I, I must learn not to follow him off track. <laughs> yes, that, that did catch our attention. Yeah. Uh, and also in the pit stops, that was very close. You almost lost the lead there. Yeah, so I think... We, you know, obviously we've got to do the minimum time and make sure we don't uh, have an unsafe release like we did in the other race. So we're all a bit nerves jangly, but thankfully it went OK. What do you prefer? Do you prefer being in the car or right now on the pit wall watching your car being raced by someone else to the finish? I, 
I enjoy watching Duncan drive because at least I know he can cope with it. Um, my job is just to get it here, get in a decent enough position, and then I'm happy to watch it from the pit wall. Yeah, but relax. Course, I'd love to be out there still. Yeah, of course. Your job's done, though, and a great job it was. Well done, Michael. Thank you very much. Michael Benham driving the number 25 car then for the opening stint there with Joe Bradley, and Duncan Tappy's taken over. The other thing I'm drawn to, Shay, is that the CD Sport car, which has rejoined as the race leader, has cut its pit stop by something like six seconds. Now, uh, two minutes, to my mind, is the delta time. That's the time you can't beat in the pit lane from pit in to pit out. And they've done a 154. There's at least one other car as well, two other cars, in fact, that are below that two-minute marker. The other CD Sport car has done it, the one that Nick Adcock has just taken over, and also Alexandra Yvonne for Monza Garage in their number 69 Ligier below that two-minute uh, two marker. So we might be looking at what is due to be the race lead. Here comes round the outside, surely not. Hur with an awesome pass on Duncan Tappy into the right-hand kink which approached Indianapolis. That was unbelievable. Who knew that there were two lanes through that fast right-hander? And that gives me an indication of how stable this Norma M30 is uh, at great speed. How in the world did he not wind up in the gravel trap? They're off to driver's left. The number three looking like... Like it was cemented to the ground through Indianapolis. That's not something you get even on the racing line every time. Johnny, that was phenomenal driving. Like a slot car, it took to the outside lane, and Duncan Tappy was not gonna was just not gonna hold that car Ooh. back. And let me remind you that Duncan Tappy is no slouch, having raced McLaren's in GT3 for many, many years. He tried to defend, but Lawrence Hur was fully committed. And he didn't even uh, drop a wheel over the white line on the exit. Much to the celebration of DKR Engineering, champions in this category of racing in both 2017 and 2018. And all of a sudden, they are now outscoring their early championship rivals in 2019. We're starting to see purple sector times appear on the screen, which means that the second drivers, the hot shoes, if you will, are starting to get into their rhythm. Wayne Boyd with the fastest sector one time the last time around for the Ligier, reclaiming the honor for Ligier. Jan Erlache in the number 19M Racing Norma taking it for sector two. And for sector three, it was Lawrence Hurt with that beautiful move around the outside. And Andy, that pushed him to the fastest lap of the race. It's just hit from Louise Beckett at CD Sports. get that lead. Uh, it was a good strategy, but uh, a risky strategy. Uh, because if we have a safety car in, uh, during that session, uh, we are screwed. So, uh, we had to take the risk and uh, it paid. It paid. 20 minutes remaining, Kevin. Cross my fingers. Thank you. So Louise Beckett there with Kevin Bolbesson. Now, whilst that interview was taking place, unfortunately, his car, now driven by Jacques Wolf, loses the lead. And partly the reason for that was when I went, because the car was off the road at the top of the hill, and that uh, meant that his run down into the Dunlop S's was compromised, and Laurence Hoare was there to pounce. But that pit stop time is worrying as well. Now, whether we're going to get an in-race drive-through penalty, or a stop-go indeed, for the remaining time that still needs to be served, i.e. six seconds, we'll have to wait and see. No messages in that regard so far. Mikkel Max taken over the Lucic Racing Ferrari from, um, from Fabian Le 
Vern. But meanwhile, on the road, Duncan Tappy trying to bag second place now from CD Sport and can do it in the braking area. He got the better run out of the Forza Motorsports UK on the Molsand uh, straight. And the 25 car is now up to second position. The danger, though, here for Duncan Tappy is that he's just losing touch to Laurence Hoare, who leads the race. 1.2 seconds now is the lead for DKR Engineering. In the GT3 category, Lucic racing leading the way with Mack once again with two minutes and 13 seconds spent in the pit lane. Tom Onzo Cole on a charge in the SPS Automotive Performance Mercedes. He, his pit stop time, two minutes and six, so seven seconds fewer spent in the pit lane for the Mercedes than the Ferrari. I just wonder whether Duncan Tappy can't match the speed of Laurence Hur because of the damage that uh, was retained uh, or gained from the incident into the barrier for Mikey Benham. Remember, it's missing one of the bullets from the rear, the legality panels. That will mean that the airflow off the back of the car is not quite as efficient as it is on the three. The only thing, Johnny, is that the blue sector times coming in at one and two for the number 25. So Duncan Tappy, with the most speed in that car that we have seen all race, maybe you don't really need those little cheese wedges. Maybe they're just sort of an added bonus, icing on the cake, if you will. But that gap appears to be growing. It's not, but it looks like it on the screen for us. In the terms of the timing screen, though, it's coming down a little bit. Uh, now the interval, 1.6 seconds as Mack comes through the Indianapolis area of the track. Oh, no, that's Molson with the good lead still. I'm going to keep an eye on that. He right now is 11, almost 14 seconds ahead of Tom Anso Cole. We'll see how quickly that gap disappears. 16 and a half minutes to go in this race. Yeah, Lucy versus SPS and Beach Dean AMR on a tear from what happened to them on Thursday. Giacomo Pacini's no slouch in the Kessel Racing Ferrari. And the 71 now just turning left through Indianapolis. Taking a fair bit of curb, but not too much. Mack, and every inch of the road utilised into Arnage Corner as well, as all of a sudden the Ferrari 488 twin turbocharged these days changes direction. Uh, with very little notice indeed applied from Mikkel Mack, but it's happy and stable and exits now Arnage Corner. There was a spin a moment or two ago, though, for the number 14 RLR M Sport machine. Now, is that the car that Freddie Hunt started? No, uh, that's no. the uh, Mark Mayall and Christian Olsen car, isn't it? And it is Mark driving it right now. Yeah, I seem to remember that Christian did the opening stint. So RLR present with two cars, the other one being Freddie Hunt and Martin Vadel, number 15 as the Richard Meal-backed number 40 SPS Automotive Performance car, now driven by Tom Oslo Cole, is trying to hunt down uh, Mikkel Mack. But huh? the gap is about 10 seconds. seconds. Uh, yes, it is. At the last, uh, the last split, thank you to the graphics package for doing the math for me. So I'm not very good at that whole adding and <laughs> thing. Well, yeah, at my timing screen, it tells me that Mikkelmack's a full minute behind the race leader, Laurence Hoare, and then a minute and ten back is Tom Onslow Cole. So I can yeah. just about do those maths. That works. Uh, but uh, anything more complicated than I struggle. There was an overtake there, or was that a bit of lappery for the number eight car of Giacomo Pacini? Yes, lappery. lapping now the Team Africa Bentley, which is being driven by a certain Jan Lammers, separate, uh, celebrating his dare I say it, 63rd birthday during test day a couple of weeks ago. Jan Lammers uh, was in the 24 hours of Le Mans last year for racing team Nederland. 
and said during an interview to us here on 91.2 FM Mobile One Radio Le Mans that that wasn't necessarily his last Le Mans, his last 24 hours, but still able to drive. It was his 23rd last year, uh, memory serves. Uh, yes, yeah, go with that. And, um, well, Red River Sport might uh, need to <laughs> a little conversation <laughs> with, with Jan Lammers. There'll be room to squeeze him in, in, him in I'm sure. Yep. We have our answer. It is a six-second stop-and-go penalty for car number 30. It was yep. six seconds shy of the two-minute mark, so that seems fair. You come in and you serve the rest of your time, then go back out. Unfortunately, not re refunded is the time to get into the pit lane the time to stop and then the time to get back out precisely yeah the six seconds is fair but of course it means lots more time added to your race with that trip through pit road the 60 car now facing the wrong way at turn two which is the right hand element of the chicane heading under the dunlop bridge and uh, yeah the 60 car well was trying to be coaxed to turn right but it was having none of it and that car now possibly stalled it's in a good position nick adcock is the other cd sport car but sadly for those guys they were seven seconds short on the pit stop so six seconds for one car seven for the other they oh. need a new stopwatch at cd sport and two second stop and go penalty for car number 35 so which one is that johnny that would be a GT3 car, yeah. that would be Krypton Motorsport, the green and black machine that Mercedes AMG adverts two seconds. Yeah, well, uh, two seconds, six seconds, seven seconds, yeah. whatever it is, if you're below two minutes, I'm afraid, you've been too quick in the pit lane, and this is not uh, an unusual procedure because they are minimum pit stop deltas as well, running them in the two-hour uh, races in the championship so those teams that have already done a couple of races at Paul Ricard and Monza should be used to that it's a different pit lane I'll admit but nevertheless that's what that's what free practice is for as well testing how long it takes you to get through and to do some dummy pit stops as well the 19 car which is running in fifth position now being driven by World TCR driver Jan Erlichet World TCR race winner although that was last season not uh, yet taking a win in any of the opening 12 races in the World TCR Championship which by the way next weekend goes to the mighty Nürburgring Nordschleifer to support the 24 hours of Nürburgring there that we will have covered here on uh, Radio Le Mans as into the pit lane then comes the former race leader the number 30 CD Sport car so unfortunately this car that was well placed when Kevin Bolbesson was driving it handed over to Jack Wolf who started his stint with a few wayward moments but there is the stop stopwatch with six seconds on the clock and it's counting down this must be torturous Joe Bradley absolutely and it seems fair when it, first of all penalty of six seconds is that well that's not really fair because you've infringed the rules it's that's just the six seconds that you get in the pit stop however when you consider you've got to come on pit road and that's the 30 you just heard in the background just making its way back out so he's lost much more than six seconds he was six seconds static on yep. the pit apron he's still got to drive there and he's still got to drive out on the pit lane speed limiter yeah, that's Jack Wolf then who takes over from Kevin Bolbesson and uh, they go from the race lead to rejoin outside the top 10 now. 
Still yellow flags out at the first corner covering Nick Adcock in the number 60 machine. And sadly, Nick has dropped uh, many places down now to as that 43rd overall and 27th in the LMP3 class. As into the fort chicane comes the number 97 Aston Martin, now driven by Tom Gamble. So by the looks of things, TF Sport have got their driver ID little knob in the uh, cockpit in the correct position. So Flick Haig did the opening stint, and then as Tom Gamble takes the car over, he has to make sure the driver ID is correct for him. Heading up towards the hill and back into now a slow zone. So don't be worried about the speed of the cars if you're standing on the inside of the Dunlop curve. This is all part of the regulations. There's also a little bit of damage, I noticed, on the front left corner of that Aston Martin. The splitter is loose as well, Johnny, as yes, it's it dragging is. on the ground and just sort of thumping its way along. Yeah, it's not good. Just heard the gentle patter of that as uh, the car headed past one of our FX mics. And the 60 car now is going to have to be uh, lifted by one of the snatch vehicles, all on his own for Nick Adcock. Yes, it was, even though there was a car relatively close to the rear bumper, uh, there was no contact. Missed the apex and then tried to correct it by giving it a little too much throttle to compensate, and that did not work, because there's a piece of the SPS Mercedes bodywork on the back straight, but this is the orange and black one, not the uh, silver, black, and white one. So fans of the 40 have no fear. Yeah, that's still going very strongly in second position ahead of Ross Gunn, and the gap is only 5.4 seconds now between the two Brits, who are ultimately trying to chase down Mikkel Mack. 5.9, I tell you, yeah, you could... Uh, in another couple of corners, we might have those three cars on the same bit of start-finish straight, certainly on the same segment of Mulsanne. The gap from uh, first to second in that category, six minutes ago, Johnny, was nearly double that gap. So that is a very impressive effort by Tom Oxley-Cole, as we are down to eight minutes and 43 seconds to go in this race. Yeah, uh, last laps for Tom Onslow, Cole and Ross Gunn, 356.2, 355.5. So Ross Gunn is motoring on to try and get uh, three very different GT cars together for the GT3 lead. A Ferrari ahead of Mercedes AMG, ahead of an Aston Martin Vantage. And a moment or two ago, was there some drama into the braking area for the second chicane, the number two car on the inside, which is the Nielsen racing machine of Colin Noble. Great wow. overtake there on the RLR M Sport 15 that was started by Freddie Hunt and is now being driven by Martin Vadel. Oh, salt in the wound, Johnny Palmer. The stop-and-go penalty that was served by Krypton Motorsport, remember they had a two-second stop-and-go penalty. Well, the service of their penalty is now under investigation. They, they either didn't stop for the full two seconds, or well, they've, they they've gone... They either did, yeah, they might not have stopped at all. Or the other thing is, they didn't adhere to the pit lane speed limit and have gone faster than, than 40 kilometres per hour down the pit lane. So uh, it could be any manner of things, frankly, but clearly that's under investigation. And they generally say there's no smoke without fire. Something has aroused uh, the suspicion of the stewards down there. Meanwhile, very close indeed now between the new driver at the wheel of 72. Now, that was the car that was started by... Uh, Natan Biel and has been handed to Cyril Denis, the Graf car, and Denis, as soon as they head out of this slow zone, which is zone one, the first bit of the lap, is going to be under an awful lot of pressure from Colin Noble in the number two Nielsen machine. 
very similar cars, but there's a difference in the dive planes in the front, Johnny. The 72 has gone for more and gets jumped by Colin Noble, who gets back to the power perfectly. He has a single dive plane a little bit closer, a little further down away from the headlight, whereas that number 72 has the dive plane a little further up. And Colin Noble completely awake to the green flags at the top of the rise. All but going Ooh. straight on. I think that was Tom Onslow Cole, who has been overtaken now by Ross Gunn in the Aston Martin. So change in the order in GT3. And Tom Onslow Cole, by straight lining the Dunlop chicane at the top of the hill, has been significantly delayed, dropping to third position. And now the question is, how close is Giacomo Puccini to potentially snatch that place away from the Brit? So we got Onslow Cole third, Puccini for Kessel fourth in number eight, then Tom Gamble in the TF Sport, uh, sorry, Maurizio Mediani, first of all, in the 51 Spirit of Race Ferrari, and then Gamble's TF Sport, Aston Martin. And the car that was spun around and causing that yellow in the first sector, he will have to serve a stop-and-go penalty of seven seconds for not respecting the minimum pit stop time. So for Nick Adduck, not a great day. Certainly not. And uh, Jay and I had spotted that 1 minute 53 pit stop for the number 60 car. And spun at Dunlop chicane for many a minute. Now been recovered. And uh, his next job will be to come down pit lane. The Keogh Racing number 43 car gains a spot there with Swedish driver Joachim Fried. Uh, a good move on... Um, that was the Martin Vadel car, number 15. So uh, getting into the braking area and pulling off the overtake. Again, that is a silver-rated driver uh, versus the bronze of Martin Vadel. And relatively easy for the two Ligiers to switch positions. Oh, dear. Drama for grey market racing. And the number 20 car is off the road. That's the car of Alex Mortimer and Mark Crader. And... It was Alex Mortimer, it is Alex Mortimer, at the wheel. That car was inside the top 20, but has now stopped out in the country. Its GPS is leading me to reckon that it's just out of the first chicane, actually. And over to driver's left with Marshalls, thankfully, but that car has ground to a halt on the exit of the Forza Motorsport chicane. We are under four and a half minutes remaining in this race, and the battle is very much on for the GT3 lead. Micklemack has it, Ross Gunn wants it. There is about three seconds separating those two cars, and if we go back nine minutes ago, that gap was nearly ten seconds. Yeah, so coming down at a fair old rate of knots. Now, does that mean that Duncan Tappy is nursing the tyres a little better than Lawrence Hur, or does it mean that Lawrence Hur is catching traffic and Duncan Tappy can react to the traffic slightly better because he's a few more car lengths further down the road? The 71 Ferrari <laughs> exiting Arnage and in the distance looking out for the Aston Martin, which is now exiting Arnage as well. Tom Onslow Cole, despite falling... No, he didn't fall behind Giacomo Puccini. I was fearful that he might, but he did hang on to third position. And Tom Onslow Cole versus Ross Gunn will be one to savour as well after Ross Gunn in the Beach Dean AMR managed to get ahead of TOC after that rare mistake, it has to be said, for the man from Surrey. It's very appropriate, Johnny Palmer, that the Beach Dean Aston colours are reminiscent of a shark because that is exactly the charge that Ross Gunn is on. The white reflecting the belly, the dark blue, the jaws of the mouth, and then a little bit of red, just to let you know that there are teeth and that puppy will bite. As Tom Anzo Cole still on a recovery drive, trying to catch back up to Ross Gunn, 
I can't remember the last time I saw TOC make a mistake, Donnie. No, uh, unusual, and uh, whether something in front of him just uh, put him off as he was braking and turning in, but that's also an indication, I think, of quite how hard Onslow Cole is pushing in an effort to, at the time, keep Roskun behind. Well, he's now trying to catch up with the Aston Martin as Giacomo Pacini crosses the line as well in the all-blue number eight Kessel Racing Ferrari, which is fourth in GT3. If anything, the gap's opened up a slightly as the Kia Racing cars just made a mistake, I noticed, at the Dunlop chicane. So that means that Joachim Fried has just lost a handful of places. And also Wayne Boyd is working his way through the order for United Autosports. So the lead Ligiers are now, surprise, surprise, Matt Bell for United Autosports in 22, Wayne Boyd for 2024, and also in Elysier, uh, Martin Vadel in the RLRM Sport car, although that car's just been overtaken by the two United Autosports uh, JSP3s. Two minutes to go in this race, and this should be the last lap then, John Palmer, given the last lap time that the leader was four minutes and 18 seconds. Yeah, and amazingly, Lawrence Hur is now setting absolute best sector cool. times at the head of the order. I don't think Duncan Tappy's going to have much of an answer to this, despite the fact that they left the, uh, the pit lane almost together. A car 95's pit stop is now under investigation as there's a bit of a drama at Porsche Curves we're hearing about now. Car may be in the gravel there, right next to the Travel Destinations capsite, and it means that there's no overtaking as you turn right where the old track used to continue straight on down towards White House. Uh, these days you turn right into the very fast Porsche Curves and head for the road bridge. Uh, but a car needing potentially some recovery there. Oh, darting at the inside is the GT3 leader. Don't need to be doing that necessarily, Mickle Mack, and putting your car in a dangerous position when you lead the class. I think the car that might be in some strife, Johnny, is Eric Maurice of United Autosports, the number 20. 27 machine, the car that normally runs the ELMS, running in this race only. And we heard from Eric yesterday uh, when Joe Bradley interviewed him, a sailor. He had no idea where his car was in the running after he got out of it. He did a really good job to start his stint, but it looks like, given the red arrow next to his name, he's dropping down the charts pretty quick. And now Lawrence Hoyer is being, well, compromised a little bit by traffic because Mark Mayle, who drives the 14 car, uh, was sticking to his natural racing line and it was all down to Lawrence Hoare to find a way through. But a mightily impressive stint this, I have to say, to keep at an arm's length and then actually extend a lead over uh, Duncan Tappy, who is gold-rated by the FIA. But the man from Gerlingen in Germany, a former supercar challenge racer, Lawrence Hoare, will come out of the Ford chicane and cross the line with still 11 seconds left on the clock. We're going to go one more lap, Shea This just got really fun, Johnny. Now there's an opportunity. Ross Gunn will have been told on the radio, all right, son, you've got eight more miles. Get it done. And that's exactly the charge that he's on. Less than a second and a half back off the Ferrari. The battle is raging. I reckon we had seven or eight seconds left on the clock as the uh, lead car went across the line to maybe see a checkered flag, but it did not appear. And Lawrence Hur has to get the head down, forget about all that, and go for another eight and a half uh, miles of this Circuit de la Sarte as the Ferrari, although not the GT3 leader, heads through Tet Rouge. That's the number 82 Ferrari being passed by one of the RLR M Sport machines. But Lannan Racing, Duncan Tappy, clear now of second position. And Nicolas Schatz, yesterday's or the day before yesterday's winners, Schatz and Adrian Schiller, uh, Schiller 
and that car looking like it's going to be on for another podium. Duncan Tappy lost two seconds in the first sector to the leaders, so clearly Lawrence Herr taking everything he had out of his Michelin tires on that, what he thought was going to be his last lap, still just had a little bit left in the bank. That's what you get with Michelin. There's not a great deal of fall off. And uh, now you understand why it's a 55-minute race and not an hour-long race, because, of course, if we are in a position where the leader <laughs> goes across the line with only five seconds to go, uh, a four-minute lap or a 3.52-minute lap will turn it into pretty much an hour. But there will be concern up and down the pit lane because the fuel tanks on these cars can normally do an hour, but it is 80% throttle around here, full throttle as well. So how much fuel has been burned already? We haven't had a safety car, but we have had a couple of slow zones, so that will have hopefully saved a bit of fuel here and there. But it will be something, I'm sure, forefront in everybody's minds, have we fueled it enough? You don't want that <laughs> right at the end of the race. And Johnny, no. there might be a cop from Mikkel Mack as he's fallen down the charts. Ross Gunn leads, and the Ferrari is right now down to fourth, putting Tom Onsel Cole up into second place. He's got four seconds to try and catch up to the Aston Martin. What has gone wrong for the Ferrari? Well, the 30s in the gravel at Tet Rouge, right by the MMA Arena. So that is the run down to the very fast right-hander. The number 30 CD Sport car led the race early on, remember, with Kevin Bolfetti at the wheel. Now it's all down to Laurence Herr for DKR Engineering and Duncan Tappy for Lannan Racing, but Mikkel Mack is being shown has stopped on the circuit, although interestingly, it looks like Alcamella put him back ahead now of Ross Gunn and Tom Onslow Cole. Is it just a transponder glitch, Might or be. are there genuine concerns for the number 71 Ferrari? We will have to wait and see. And I'm sure if you're listening to 91.2 FM, no, he's still there. He is still there into the second chicane. So the 71 Ferrari's got a, a bit of a sticky transponder not being called through the sectors. And that's the reason why we had a heart in mouth moment there for Lucic oh Racing. Oh, my gosh. It, it was looking so good to be a double for them that when you get something like that happening on the last lap that wasn't even supposed to be a last lap for these no. guys, they thought they were going to be done five minutes ago. That's a very oh good point. Goodness. Yeah, true. So you think you're, you're there, the checker flag doesn't show, and then no, not a drama on the final lap. Well, so far, so good for Lucic Racing. They run a GT3 in the Michelin Le Mans Cup. They run a GTE car in the European Le Mans Series with a certain Alessandro Pierre Guidi as part of the Lucic outfit. Here comes the race leader leaping over the Ford chicane in an effort to dodge around one of the slower cars. And this now properly is the final time across the line, weaving from right to left to right again. Laurence Herr finishing the race as the winner. And he takes the victory with teammate Francois Kerman. Remember, they were battling in the championship with the 25 car that in the end finishes in second position. So this sets things up very nicely for the remaining rounds of the championship for the Michelin Le Mans Cup. Let's go straight down to DKR Engineering and Joe Bradley. A very, very joyous pit wall for DKR Engineering. And Francois Kerman, uh, as joyous as any of them, congratulations, you won the race. Yes, just awesome to win Le Mans. And it was it was quite a race. The Lannan boys didn't give you it all the way. You had to really fight for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. He's got to go. Well, I think there's mutual respect there between the two driver lineups, certainly. Francois Kerman and Michael Benham um, are, have become, I think, good friends out of the car. They realise that they are uh, rapid drivers, and, of course, it's their responsibility to qualify the cars on a Saturday morning of a regular 
Michelin Le Mans Cup weekend and they regularly find themselves up against each other in the cars as well. What about GT3? Lusik Racing and Mikkel Mack together with Fabian Leverne have driven an exemplary race. We lost them partly around, partly around this lap and were fearful that the car might be in a gravel trap somewhere. It isn't, although it's balked by behind quite a lot of traffic. Roscon's going to be very, very close indeed as they get to the line, but it is a win for Lusik Racing and Mikkel Mack immediately flashing the lights <laughs> and Fabian Laverne is up on the wall there calling his man home uh, tremendous excitement down there at the sort of Italian stroke Swiss stroke American squad let's face it and at the 71 uh, another victory although Ross Gunn uh, ran them very very tight indeed to the finish they couldn't put a foot wrong and uh, for those guys they managed to get across the line despite all that traffic up ahead including um, the SPS Mercedes and uh, the 99 car finishing in second position. Tom Onslow Cole with the other SPS Automotive Performance AMG in third position, despite going straight across the gravel at the Dunlop chicane at the start of one of his laps. And Kessel Racing with the all-blue Ferrari, number eight, Giacomo Pacini and Sergio Pianazzola. And a reminder that Pianazzola's on double well, duty we can today. See your, uh, uh, let's get some reaction, though, from the GT3. The whole team are congratulating you. Well done on a great race. Yeah, yeah, it was a great race. It was great racing, and we are so happy to win at Le Mans. It's the first win of the season, so it's just amazing to win there in Le Mans. You're going to be going and standing on top of that podium. How does yeah, that yeah. feel? Yeah, I think it will be amazing. I didn't realize. <laughs> but we will see later. I have to go to Lawrence because he did a nasty job and the team decided to. It was just awesome. The car was perfect. The stint was perfect. So it's real racing. Go find your teammate. Thank you. Thank you. So uh, apologies. That was Francois Kerman, who was the, G the LMP3 race winner in the DKR Engineering Norma. And Laurence, who, who he refers to, Laurence Hur, uh, a camera crew, actually immediately in his face as well. He hasn't even had a chance to get out of the car yet, although a relatively short stint compared to what he's done in the past. I mean, these are only sort of 25 to 30 minute stints, so uh, you can. It's warm out there, but they are manageable. And again, that's the idea behind this championship is to get the lesser experienced drivers used to being at the wheel for potentially an hour, two hours, three hours in the future. Hey, you've got to break them in slowly, John Palmer. You can't just throw them straight into the deep end. And that is going to be one extremely happy Mikkel Mack when they do manage to get him out of his Ferrari race car, was doing fist pumps the whole way down. Even when he was trying to spin the Ferrari around at uh, turn three to get it back down to into the pit lane. He still had a hand proudly out the window. That's impressive. There was also a late problem for what looked like the green and black DKR engineering Maratiotta car. Although that car shown has stopped a, a while back. But yeah. one of the green machines spinning at the Ford chicane, literally on the run to the line and having to do a quick three-point turn in order to then head up to the Dunlop Bridge, pretty much. And then the cars are instructed to do a 180-degree right-hander and then come down pit lane, and I do mean down pit lane, in the wrong direction. Uh, and that's the easiest way to get them back to the support paddock. But an amazing race with so much happening. I, I really don't know how we managed to get as many cars through the first corner as we did, particularly as Freddie Hunt, and I must say, through no fault of his own, there was contact between him and the number five of Marcello Maratiotto, and jumping his way right across the track at 90 degrees to the rest of those cars through the chicane. Um, there was a little bit of contact, but amazingly got away with 
what could have been a monster incident at turns one and two. And then at that point, the number 11 car was able to rejoin. That was the racing experience car of Nicolas Mellat. But then there was more drama for Mellat further around the lap. It was impressive, Johnny, that we had 47 cars start this race. 40 of them saw the checkered flag out on the racetrack. That in itself bears something to be proud of. Yeah, and uh, most of them with uh, stories to tell yeah. as well, because Maratiotto found himself fa f uh, facing the wrong way at the first chicane. We then had a superb battle for the start of the race uh, and the lead of the race in the early stages between the 30 and the number three cars. And in the end, <laughs> as carnage broke out behind with the three and the 25 off onto the grass and into the barrier kevin bolbesson saw his chance and opened up a, a meaty lead out front but francois kerman uh, and a and michael benham putting on a really good show and what about the move that laurence Hur pulled off around the outside of duncan tappy strategy but uh, a risky strategy uh, because if we have a safety car in uh, during my session uh, we are screwed so uh, we had to take the risk and uh, it paid. It paid. 20 minutes remaining. That was a little bit of uh, Fabian Leverne, I reckon, uh, from partway through the race when he was keeping his fingers crossed for the race win. But Mikkel Mack did his job and in the end takes another win for Lucic Racing. So they'll be right up there now in the championship in the GT3 part of it. And Lucic, the target, of course, is to try and get an entry for Le Mans next year. Lucic came into this race as the championship leaders. They've got another 15 points now to take away to Barcelona, which will be the next uh, round of the Michelin Le Mans Cup. There are still three races to go, Spain, Belgium and Portugal to end their season. I know you've covered this race before with uh, with me last year, Shay, but uh, what do you reckon to Michelin uh, Road to Le Mans? Because this is your only chance, really, of the year to see it. Uh, it's a fantastic variety of cars that we get to see. And really, this, more than just about any other series that I see in Europe, is the development platform. We've got drivers who have almost no experience mixing up with drivers who have won this race overall before, yep. such as Jan Lummers. Wonderful, wonderful to be a part of it and thank you Johnny for letting me sit beside you during it. Thank you for your company as well Shay Adam and thank you to all the efforts from Joe Bradley as well down in the pit lane to get the stories mid-race and also right at the end. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed the road to Le Mans and don't forget uh, on the Radio Show Limited Network for the rest of the season you can hear every race live uh, along with the European Le Mans series uh, events in Barcelona. They don't go to Silverstone this championship but uh, that is an ELMS and World Endurance Championship double header remember at the end of August the start of September but we'll have the two hours of Spa and of Portimao covered later on in the year. Do come back for more then for the road to Le Mans. And uh, we're moments away now for the big build-up for this year's 87th running of the 24 Hours of Le Mans. Loads more to come then on 91.2 FM, Mobile One, Radio Le Mans. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMans.com.